we're in a, a series called Matters of the Heart, and we talked about the last two ones about anger. In our hearts, we can, we can house a lot of anger, and we can have anger. A lot of times we think of anger as something that we're expressing. It's, it's you know, rage, it's violence, but that's not necessarily anger. Anger in its core is something in our hearts, and it can be expressed through those things, but anger is actually can be pushed down inside and come out in other ways as well. So if that sounds like something you want to go track back on, we'll have those you can listen to. Um, but we're going to look at this morning the idea of gratitude and entitlement. And I cannot, by any stretch of imagination, comprehensively address this subject this morning. But I'm going to try to just look at a scripture that will show us something this morning. And I think that's the most important thing. We'll look at the Bible, learn from the Word of God, and, and see what we can learn about gratitude and entitlement. And again, there's, there's a lot written on this. There's a lot to, to learn. But let's just look at this morning. We're going to look at Matthew 20. So if you have a Bible and you want to turn there, um, we're going to look at the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And um, the big idea, the overarching idea this morning, if you're taking notes, is this. When you lean into entitlement, entitlement being, this is what's owed me, this is what I deserve, this is what should be coming my way, um, for whatever reason, because I think so, because I did this, but that's entitlement. So when you lean into entitlement, your heart becomes the breeding ground for frustration and bitterness. It's a big idea here. Your heart becomes the the breeding ground for frustration and bitterness. If there's a lot of frustration in your life, there's bitterness that you're holding on to, often it's because of entitlement. Something should have happened, it didn't happen. I was owed this, it didn't, it didn't get paid to me. I was, I deserved this, it didn't, you know, and I didn't get what I deserved. And so now there's bitterness and there's frustration in my heart. On the flip side, when you lean into gratitude, when you lean into gratitude, your heart becomes the breeding ground. Uh, or the place for growth of grace and forgiveness. Grace and forgiveness. And I don't know if you know much about serving the Lord, but generally when the Bible talks about traits of people that are following after Jesus, grace and forgiveness are going to be a little bit above frustration and bitterness, right? <laughs> Those are going to lead the way uh, of a heart that's trying to follow the Lord. I mean, that's, that's going to be something that will be a fruit of the Spirit working in our life is, is going to have some grace and forgiveness. And so we want that. Well, that's something we desire. I mean, if we're trying to follow Jesus, we should want to be people of grace, people of forgiveness. We don't always get it right. We don't always do it the way we should possibly, but that's where we're, that's where we're aiming. And so um, we're going to look at this story in a moment. Um, but entitlement and gratitude both circle around the idea of how we view life. It's the lens in which we view life, both of them. And, and so how we adjust this lens at what are, what's happening to us, what's happening around us, what the world is, what's going on in the world, how we see the lens of the, all this stuff really does affect whether we feel entitled, frustrated, bitter, or we feel full of grace, full of love, full of, full of, of gratitude, and full of mercy for, to others. I mean, it really does, it really does uh, shape everything. Yeah, I don't know if you guys, I always have to give basketball illustrations because I like basketball. So let me give you a basketball. Uh, Zion Williamson just signed, number one. You may follow basketball NBA Zion, you know, Zion is from South Carolina. So maybe South Carolina people, I don't know. Uh, but uh, he signed, I think he's going to get paid $20 million uh, as a number one pick. That's okay. No, that's really good. I, I don't know if any of us here feel like we deserve $20 million. Maybe Darrell does. He's like, for all I've done in my life. I deserve $20 million. I just do. And nobody walks, I don't think a lot of people walk around thinking they deserve that. You know, I deserve this, this, you know, 
great amount. We, and we, you know, hey, I don't have huge expectations. I'm not entitled. I don't. But you know what we do? We want everything to be fair, right? I don't deserve 20 million bucks, but if David got 20 million and you got 20 million and you got 20 million, where's my 20 million, <laughs> right? We we don't necessarily in, in the whole light of the world want all these things, but when it starts coming to comparison, we want things to be fair. So so that's where it gets a little weird on our, our sense of entitlement because we want life to work out in a sense that we think is fair. And you know what? Life is not fair. I hate to break that to you. I hope uh, and that, that's you know discouraging word for you this morning, but that's just the truth. The life isn't going to be fair. And you know what? This might be controversial, but God isn't fair. He's not fair. God is good. God is right. He's righteous, but he's not fair. Especially how we define fair. One more basketball illustration and we'll keep going on. So I was coaching my daughter yesterday in the rec, the rec game, and um, the other coach was upset because the referees were not calling the game fairly. You ever, you ever imagine that coaches would get upset because the referees, you know. So the, the referee missed a traveling violation on somebody on my team, which they did. They, they committed the violation. So it was a travel. Um, and the, the, the other coach was just upset. Like, this is really, this is horrible. How could you, I mean, this is, again, this is 11 to 13-year-old girls. So... This is really, this is for all the marbles here. Rec League in the summer for all the marbles, 11, 13 year old This is huge. Um, so she traveled, he didn't call it, and he was just giving this guy like, wow. And the guy said, well, do you want me to call every travel in this game? And if you don't know anything about basketball, I apologize. But um, you want me to call every time somebody makes a mistake and, and they shoot, the ball goes the other thing. Do you want to do that? So he just starts doing that. And guess who was traveling the most in this game? The coach's daughter. So every time she got this poor little girl who was so cute, I mean she was so sweet. But every time she get the ball, the other coaches, the other not my, yeah, not my, my daughter doesn't travel. She doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I already taught her that, you know. Um, but no, the other she was a great little player, but she was young and she hadn't learned everything. So she get the ball and kind of shuffle her feet around and then, okay, I'm gonna blow the whistle every time. That's how you want it. You want it to be fair. All right, guess how that worked out for you. It was kind of interesting. I thought about, I was thinking of this message. Like, that's an interesting example of how we want everything to be fair. And then somehow it doesn't work out in our advantage when we, when we want that. So we're going to look at this story. Uh, Matthew 20. I'm going to turn there. You can follow along. 20. Uh, we're starting verse 1. And uh, this is, I uh, believe, known as the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Is that what your Bible says? Okay. <coughs> Jesus is saying this. It's in red. If you have a Bible that gives it red, that means Jesus is talking. So this is a parable. He says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and then sent them on into his vineyard. Um, a denarius at that time was a typical day's wage. So I don't know what a day's wage today is. Let's just say, uh, depending on what you do, there's different day's wages, but say they're making... For a round number, let's just say it's it's South Carolina days wage. You're making ten dollars an hour. <laughs> you're really just entry level. So you got ten dollars an hour. These guys, okay, sweet. They got they're working out in the vineyard. They're picking crops. Ten bucks an hour sounds good to me. That's what you that's what you make. About the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, "You also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right." So they went. So he didn't 
do it the same way, right? Notice he didn't say what he was going to pay him, but whatever is right. Uh, he went out again in the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. Okay, so he keeps going out, getting more people, different sort of situations going on. And in about the eleventh hour, eleventh hour, this is the the last. I mean, the twelfth hour, they're they're done. So the very they got one hour to work. You're coming in at four o'clock. I don't know if you ever work somewhere and someone punching in right at the end, and then they're gonna punch right back out. You're like, wait a second, hold on. <laughs> so they're they're coming in right at the very end. They probably still got to get all their equipment, get trained, whatever they have to do. Eleventh hour, he went out, and he still found others standing around. He asked them, "Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us." They answered. He said to them, "You also go and work in my vineyard." And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, "Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first." So the workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came, and each received a denarius. So they worked an hour, and they got ten bucks. Like, okay. So, well, we could make it a hundred bucks and make it more dramatic. Ten bucks, like, who cares, right? That doesn't sound very good. So, uh, when they received, um, I'm sorry, verse 10. So, when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But when each of them also received, but each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only an hour. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he asked them, uh, one of them, he said, friend, friend, am I being unfair to you? It's not fair. It's not fair. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So he concludes it this way. So the last will be first, and the first will be last. So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Maybe you heard that verse in isolation before. Maybe when you got last, you know, you're in soccer, and you got last, and, hey, the Bible says the last will be first, you know. You know oh, okay, cool. That's not really what that means, you know. Um, but so the last will be first, and the first will be last. So this is Jesus uh, telling us about what his kingdom is like. His kingdom is different than our kingdom. And so God's kingdom is different. If you're taking notes, you can fill that in. God's kingdom is different than how we operate. We want everything to be fair. We want everything to be uh, as we see it. And in Jesus saying, in my domain, I'm not concerned as much with how you think uh, life should be fair. I'm going to operate how I want to operate. I'm going to be kind and gracious over so any way, time I want to. So we see in God's <laughs> kingdom uh, four things real quick. He has a different way of hiring. If you look in this story, there's uh, different times he goes out. He has, for the first one, they come with, with almost like in a contract, an agreement. You're going to work a whole day. You're going to get a denarius. You're going to get this day's wage. And they say, okay, sign on the dotted line. We got this agreement with the master of the vineyard. That's what we'll do. Uh, then he goes out and he says to the next group, uh, just come work and I'll give you whatever's right. They don't know exactly what that is, but they just go in trust. And in faith, they trust that it's going to be right. And in the last group, and he goes through different times with the last group, he just says, go into my vineyard, just go. And they don't even know what, and they just go in complete trust of this, this master that, that he's going to take care of them. They've been sitting there wasting and piddling away their life all day long, and he says, you know what, just go into my vineyard, it's going to be all good. And rather than trying to get a contract, rather than trying to get some, some parameters, they just go in in faith, and they trust the master that he will do what is good. 
he has number two different hours when he hires you see that he goes out in the early morning he gets groups uh, people from the early morning that go and they work all through the day they bear the the burden of the day they do more they end up doing more work and then he goes and he gets people all through the day all the way to the last hour they don't barely do anything he gets different hours when he hires number three uh, he uses different payment method. Uh, this you may not be familiar with, but in this this day and time, when you paid your workers and you had to pay at sunset, that was part of the Old Testament law that you didn't hold people's wages back. So when they paid, they would pay the people that went in first or the first people hired, they would pay them first. And so it's interesting in the story that Jesus says the, the payment order is reversed. I'm going to pay the last people first. I'm going to pay them first, and the first people I'm going to pay last so he pays the people that work one hour first and interestingly enough if he were just followed the the, the the master the the foreman would have just followed the normal protocol possibly nobody would have been upset the guy gets their denarius they go on and they go home the next guy comes they wouldn't even known what the next guy got they wouldn't have worried about it and they would have moved on with the light but maybe jesus is doing this on purpose because as we're talking about god cares about our hearts so maybe this whole scenario is a situation where he can unearth what's going on in our hearts. Unearth what's happening deep within. When we say, you know what, I'm, I'm doing more. I, I've, I've been here longer. I got more, you know, and, and then all of a sudden we say, hey, 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 what, what's, what's not fair? This should be going like this. He unearths the things going on in our hearts, and he's dealing with how much gratitude or how much entitlement uh, we're leaning into. <laughs> and number four, he has a different value system. The first will be last. The last will be first. Jesus, are you saying that you'll do this in real life? I mean, that everybody doesn't get the same thing. Everybody's life isn't exactly equal. Everybody doesn't get the same uh, gifts and callings and blessings and all these sort of things. Yes. There's another parable of the talents where Jesus gives somebody ten, somebody two, one, different ways that they tell that story. But there's people that get different amounts, different things. In life, you see somebody that seems like they have all the gifts, all, man, if I could just be like that person, if I could just have all the gifts that they have, I could just be talented like Darrell, play drums and play keyboard and sing and do all the stuff and always dress nice. I mean, he always, you know, looks fresh. I mean, this guy is just amazing. I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? We look at other people and we think, man, they got all the gifts. They got everything. And what do I have? And we start comparing and think this isn't fair rather than saying, God, what did you give me? I don't have to be that person. I'm who, who you made me to be. Amen. And so we get all confused. We get all caught up. And in the midst of that, it shows the posture of our heart. Where's my heart at in all of this? But Jesus has a different value system. His values are not to make everything the same. See, here's three things that we're saying when we complain it's not fair. We're saying, number one, it's not the same. We want God to be the God of sameness. Make everything the same. But you know what? God isn't the God of sameness. He's the God of goodness. He's the God of love. He's the God of uh, compassion, mercy, of grace. He is not the God of sameness. Okay? He, he, God is good. He is righteous. He's, he does what's right, but he doesn't do everything the same. We have to understand that. It's not, you know, I, I look at my kids' elementary schools. They are so good about sameness. It's got to be the same. You know, if, if two people are on the little spinny thing, then the next two got to do it the same because everything's got to be the same. You know, and they'll like kill it. No, all right, nobody's playing on it. If you can't get it on them, they'll shut the whole recess down because everything has to be the same. I always hear this stuff breaking them up in the car, how it was so tragic. You know, but that, it could be filtered through their own perspective. But, um, you know, we want everything to be the same. You know, in, in truth, in the story, 
he did pay everybody the same. So, he, oh, yeah, he did pay everybody the same. But at the same time, somebody got at least eight to 12 times more than the other person for the amount of work that they did. You know, so, so it wasn't the same. You know, we were coming home from the picnic yesterday. We had a little church picnic, and we we're celebrating Isaiah and, and him going off in the Navy. And, and Olivia and Lily were having some sort of challenge, some sort of a relational challenge, <laughs> as children do. They were challenged with their relationship. And it got to the point where somebody put hands on somebody else. Oh, you know, just couldn't. They didn't listen to the anger message. You know? <laughs> or they did, and they forgot what it was. So they put hands Somebody was upset, and I believe Lily was quoted as saying, yeah, she apologized, but my face still hurts, you know? You can't take the pain away, you know? Like, oh, it's tough. I mean, I'm sure it was really brutal, whatever Olivia did, her seven-year-old sister did to her. But um, then she was, she was upset and went further because we did not seem to punish to the degree that was needed to be punished. <laughs> You never do. You know, so we, we got this big, I said, this will be good for my message. Right? I'm glad, glad, this is good. Uh, but, you know, we've got all this thing that we wanted. She wants some sort of the same. You do this and you never did this. And I don't do. And the whole world was out of balance because there wasn't sameness. There wasn't. And we tried to explain to her, well, your sister is seven. You're 11. Cecilia, she's almost 16. I mean, we can't always treat everybody the same. I don't give the car keys to Olivia and say, well, why don't you go? I mean, you know what I'm saying? So we look at, we try to get everything the same in our perspective, but everybody's not the same. And we're not all in the same place in life. We're not all in the same spot. And so sometimes that's so easy for us, okay, but maybe not. We think a child, uh, they should be able to get that. But sometimes we don't get that. We want God to be the God of sameness, but he's not. He gives us all different talents and abilities. Number two here, our values, we're saying when it's not fair, our values and our views are not valued. This is what I value. This is how I view it. And this is, you're not viewing it that way. So this is, that's not fair. I see it this way. You should punish them like that. This should be do, 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 do. See, that makes sense to me, right? That means it's fair because it makes sense to me. Well, really, maybe there's another angle, another perspective, another side to the story. And what we're saying often is you're not taking my view. You're not taking my value. Number three, our expectations were not fulfilled. I was listening to a, a, a teaching the other day. And, and the guy was talking about leadership, and he said, you know, often the gap between our <laughs> expectations and reality, what we call that gap, that the gap between our expectations, what we expect, and what really happens is frustration. The larger the gap, the more frustration. If I expect to come in, you know, in this church, and, and when I come in, you know, I expect there to be some words. <laughs> First two songs, one words. Wow, churches should have words up there. I don't even know these songs. You know, I'm frustrated. What, what is wrong with these people? You know, they should get their act together. Well, yeah, we we should, and we should have some words. But you know, if if you got you know that high standard, man, I'm coming to a church. They got to have this, 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 and they didn't have it. I'm frustrated. You know, I, I went to this. You know, you go to the drive-through. Depends on where you're going. You have different expectations. I'm going to Chick Fil A. It's gonna go quick. It's going to be all right. There's going to be a thousand cars there, but it's going to go quick. Uh, I go to Taco Bell. I've already adjusted my expectations. It's going to take 30 minutes to go right through the drive-thru. It just is. Um, and Dan, he adjusted his expectation. Now he's going to get a hair in his food. So now, it's all, even when you do that, it's all good. I already expected that, so it's good. Um, so the gap between our expectations and, and, and reality is something we call frustration. So if our expectations aren't fulfilled, a lot of times we think, this just isn't fair. You know, I've been waiting here three minutes. You know, and now that, 
I'm frustrated. It's tough. You know, we started getting, this isn't fair. You know, what's going on here? You know, they came after me and they got seated at the table. And you, know, you guys work in the restaurants, you know, you know, people get all gripey and stuff, right? Yep. Our expectations weren't fulfilled. And so we're frustrated. This isn't fair. And t- time is amplified too. Mm-hmm. So if they wait five minutes, we waited here 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it makes a better story. Yeah. It makes it better. Because it sounds kind of ridiculous when you say, I waited five minutes. Yeah. So, um, so here, here's the point. I want to get on to this. Um, this. This story is interesting because I think there's an answer to our desire for fairness, to how we lean into entitlement or gratitude. There's an answer in this passage that help us posture our hearts in the right direction. You know, I think it's honestly, like I said, when, when, when he reversed and put the first last and the last first, I think Jesus is creating a situation that unveils our hearts. And so I think the question would be, who do you most relate to in this story? If you were to take a second and really think about this, which group of people do you most relate to? Often, let me be honest, often most of us relate to the first group hired. If you were to be honest. Maybe if not the first, maybe the second. But, you know, hey, I've been doing some stuff. I've been serving the Lord. I've been, you know, I've been a pretty good person. You know, I, I try to do what's right. I recycle. I, I do, you know, <laughs> I don't, you know, on and on and on we go. You know, I, I'm not like them. You know, I didn't kill anybody. I didn't do this. We kind of put ourselves in that first group. I've been bearing the, the, the work of the day. I've been doing this and doing that. And if you're not careful, this is why a lot of people are turned off by church sometimes because there's a lot of people that are the first group people in the church that have been doing this a long time and they're a little bit frustrated a little bit upset. They're a little bit, you know what? This is getting tough. This is getting hard. This is getting challenging. People come in and they're like, oh my goodness, why is people so mad? You know, what's the deal here? And Jesus, I believe, wants to unearth our hearts because he cares about our hearts. He wants us not to lean into entitlement. That we've been doing this and we've been doing that and we deserve this and we deserve that and it's not fair and it's all this and that. We get so much in our hearts of complaining and comparing. He wants us to lean into gratitude. Look at the last group. The last group just comes in, they barely do anything, and they're like, are you kidding me? I get a whole day's wage for that? What? Like, man, I gotta get, I gotta come back here. I gotta, I gotta go back to this guy. This guy's amazing. He's full of grace. He's full of, of love. I barely did anything. Look at all that I got. I was sitting here wasting my life in the marketplace, and he came and pulled me out of that, and look what I have now. I barely did anything, and he gave me everything. This is a different perspective. See, the truth is, the truth is, we're all last group people. We're all last group people, but we want to associate with the first group. Because the truth is, God has given us so much. He's blessed us. He's, he's poured into our lives way more than we deserve. But when we start to believe that we're the first group, that we've been doing this, we've been bearing the weight of the work, and we, you know, I've been serving the Lord for 37 years, and I've been, what happens is our heart leans into entitlement. But when we can continue to identify with that last group, God, everything I have is by grace. Everything that I have is what you've given me. Everything is a blessing. It's not what I, I deserve. It's not what you owe to me, but it's because of your goodness that I have what I have. That's, that, I believe, is the solution. If you look in the story, which group is the most frustrated? The first group is the most frustrated. And why is that? I think because they want to relate to God under a contract. You could call this group the law group if you want to put it through an Old Testament lens. This is the group that says, God, I did this, you, you pay me that. If I live up to this, then God owes me this. I, I, I'm under agreement with God. God, 
See you guys. This is the group that has an agreement. The last group is by grace. They say, you know what? I don't even know what I deserve because he just called me in here and, and he's been so good to me. He's blessed me. It's not God owes me, but it's wow. Look what he's done. You think of the Apostle Paul, and as we kind of wrap this up, the Apostle Paul, he was a pretty integral part of the New Testament church. In fact, if you know that, you know, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. As somebody who had that sort of status, that sort of position, he could have been somebody that kind of flaunted that. And said, so, you know what, I've been doing all this, I've been writing letters, I've been doing, I've been bearing the weight. <laughs> and sometimes you, you read some of the things that he said, and he's, he lets people know. But the truth is, at the same time, he always kind of gets back to the place of, no, I'm not the greatest, I'm the worst. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 15, 9. He says, for I am the least of the apostles, not even deserve to be called an apostle. I'm the least of the apostles, I'm not the... The first hired greatest apostle right in the New Testament. Look at me. I'm the least. That's, has, that's the posture of his heart. Not I'm the best. I'm the least. Look at me. I, I don't even deserve to be here. Look at 1 Timothy 1.15. It says, here's a trustworthy saying that, accept, that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of whom I am sort of, I used to be. One time I did something bad. I used to, back in the, my old life, I, no, he says, of who I am, the worst. Wow. Wow. Paul, you're the worst sinner? Really? Of everybody out there you're ministering to? Wow. Maybe it's a matter of perspective. Maybe it's something Paul always wanted to remind himself. You know what? I don't deserve to be here. I, I don't deserve any of this. Yes, God's using me. Yes, God, you know, has me in an important role. Yes, I have... But, you know, I don't deserve any of this. It's a posture of the heart. It's gratitude. It's gratitude. And we have to keep feeding into that gratitude. You know, I am not first. I'm the last. I'm the last group in. God's given me so much. He's blessed me so much. I don't deserve this or that. But everything he gives me is a blessing. When you lean into entitlement, your heart becomes a breeding ground for frustration and bitterness. Hebrews 12, 15 says, look after each other so that none of you fall fails to receive the grace of God. It's by grace we're saved through faith. It's not from ourselves, it's a gift of God, so none of us can boast. It says, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Bitterness can grow up in a group, it can grow up in our heart. Bitterness can be something that's contagious, and we start to think, man, I didn't get what I deserved. Man, this is not working out the way I thought it should. Man, what's, you know, this... And we start having this sort of feeling in our heart. But be careful about that. Because that root can grow up in our hearts, individually, corporately. And it can defile all that God wants to do. Hebrews 12, 28 goes on to say in verse 28. Since we have the kingdom that nothing can destroy, let us please God by serving him with thankful hearts. With holy fear and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. God is giving us a kingdom that nothing can destroy. He's giving us eternal life. He's giving us all these things that we could never achieve on our own. So we serve him with thankful hearts. Lynn, if you'd come as we wrap this up this morning. Matters of the heart. Where's your heart this morning? Are you leaning into entitlement? What I deserve? What's not fair? 
what's owed to me? Are you, are you going through your days frustrated? Man, why is it this happening? Why is it not on the time frame that I want? Why, God, where are you? Are, are you leaning in that direction? Or are you going through your week saying, God, thank you. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for another day. God, thank you for the roof over my head. Thank you, God, for this meal. I don't know if you're the type of person that prays before you eat. We try to do that. But, you know, sometimes that's just kind of like, all right, pray. All right, good. Let's eat. Right? But I think the idea behind that is to actually remember gratitude throughout your day. Yeah, okay, I went to the store. I made the food. But you know what, God, thank you for this. That I have something to eat today. Thank you, God, that you bless me with health. Giving me another breath, another day. All these things that we can take for granted. But God has blessed us with these things. A heart full of gratitude, not a heart full of entitlement of what God owes us or what he didn't even give us. And we're, we're upset. But God, thank you for all that you have done. Sometimes the people that are most thankful, most grateful, are actually the people that are going through the most. It's crazy. You see people with cancer, people you know, suffering, people in third world countries, that you look at their situation, you're like, how could you ever be happy? I remember going to Haiti and uh, going through a missions trip in the, in the country of Haiti um, and seeing people in abject poverty, kids running around with no clothes on. Like, I've never been in a country where children, 13, 12 years old, run around with no clothes. Poverty beyond you can believe, but as, as the Christians gathered and they're in poverty as well, and we gathered for worship on a Sunday morning, the heart of praise, the heart of love, the heart of worship was so powerful for people that had absolutely nothing. Praising God, thanking Him. Power, saying power in the name of Jesus that breaks every chain. That's all that happened name of Jesus. They didn't have anything. But that was enough. It was enough for them to sing. It was enough for them, their hearts to be glad and rejoice. So this morning, I want you to consider where's where's the posture of my heart? Which way am I leaning? I come in here leaning kind of like, man, there's some things that are just not right. My life's not fair. I'm going through this. I'm going through that. Man, I'm just kind of frustrated. I'm bitter because of these situations. Or God, thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, God, for my family. Thank you, God, for where I'm at. Maybe everything's not how I would desire. But God, thank you for being good always. If you would stand to your feet, we're going to sing this song as we conclude. Maybe you want to close your eyes, bow your head, and let the Holy Spirit work in your heart. Let your Holy Spirit speak to you and say, hey, you know what? Maybe it's a good moment to say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive leaning too far into entitlement, thinking of all these things that are, are wrong, getting so frustrated with life. But let me lean into to gratitude and give some moments of, of praise and thanks to the Lord. Let's do that. Let's conclude with, with gratitude this morning.